welcome, welcome, welcome once again to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Low Podcast. Today, I have my girl, Cassie White, with me. I am so excited that she decided to come and talk to us and share her story around her experience with COVID-19. This has been just... <laughs> a really, really trying season, and she too has experienced some trying times, some emotional ups and downs, some inter, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's just been a rough time, even with uh, balancing family, balancing marriage, balancing how do you go to the grocery store? What are we doing? So there are so many questions, and I really appreciate Cassie's journey because she educated herself about a lot of different things, but this thing has still affected her in a number of different ways. So Cassie, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. I want you to just take a minute to share with, uh, with my audience who you are and what you do, where you're from. So if you could just share a little bit about who you are, I would love for them to know who my girl is. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to, to help and share however I can. Um, Cassie White, I grew up in Carrollton, Texas, so not far. Um, went to the University of North Texas, um, got my bachelor's and my MBA in human resources. So I um, professionally am an HR professional. Um, I focus in diversity and inclusion and corporate social responsibility within that role. Um, personally, I am a wife. I am a mommy to a two and a half year old, a busy active one, little cutie <laughs> named Ava. Um, and I'm a member of Converge Church, um, where we have lovely sisters such as yourself, um, with an awesome community of, of support, which, um, totally ties into my story and, and getting through COVID and everything thereafter. So that's me. Awesome. 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 So thank you so much. So I just wanted to, uh, just kind of lean into, what your journey was with COVID, and if you could just kind of share your backstory. What were some of the first symptoms that made you have an aha, like, okay, I am not very sure what is going on, but again, because of your, your experience and your ability to uh, watch the news, educating yourself, doing the necessary research for your job position actually positions you for greater for your own experience. So share with us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah, I'll start from the beginning. When we all started hearing about it, it was hitting the news. And um, being in HR, there were some decisions that we were going to have to face as an organization of are the employees gonna stay in the office? Uh, what are we gonna do about employees that are traveling to states that are hot spots right now? Do we ask them to quarantine before coming into the office? This was all very early on before, um, of course, everything shut down and it was a clear, we're you know, gonna be working from home. So um, as that news started coming out, I, I watched all of it. I wanted to know where it was, how it was spreading, um, you know, I think we we're all curious about it, but I, I felt a responsibility to be in the know so I knew how to make educated decisions on behalf of our employees. Um, I felt that responsibility of their wellness, um, whether it was our office or their family members. So um, my husband might say I got a little um, obsessive about the news and the articles and all the things, um, but the reason I did that is because I felt like I needed to be educated to make those, those choices and decisions. So. Early on, I was I was well aware of it. So um, we were in a fortunate position in our business to where we could work from home fairly easily. Um, we started that pretty early on, um, but just also out of nature of being a compliant person, I, I was on. I'm like, we're locking down. We're not going to the grocery store. We're not doing anything. Like well before it became a thing and people had to ask, um, we did grocery pickup anyway because of our schedule. So that was easy. But I was like, no, we're gonna 
quarantine as a family. Um, let's do this. And again, that was super early on is before really, um, it was being asked a lot of people. So, um, when I started getting what I felt like, uh, were allergies, um, you know, it was allergy season as well in March. Uh, we were planning a trip to go see um, our family in Arkansas. Uh, perfect. If we ended up needing to quarantine, we'll just stay there. I'm working remote anyway now. Um, really had no big long game plan except that our nephews were on spring break. So we were planning that trip. Um, so the day prior to leaving, um, in hindsight, right, I'm all looking back on it, that day I, I thought I had allergies like usual. Um, so I wouldn't have. Um, anything different but when we got to Arkansas we got unloaded I was really tired that night um, but I'm a mom and sometimes Ava wakes up in the night which she had been so being really tired was you know just another <laughs> mom day um, but that night was um, it was different I could not sleep I had chills I did not feel well it was storming there, so Ava was waking up. So I, I mean, I just felt a wave of exhaustion that, um, again, shouldn't have been that uncommon as a, a mom, but um, I felt sick. I didn't feel good. And because of it being in the middle of all the news stories and knowing, um, I just didn't want to risk it. So that next morning, I was like, Brian, we got to go home. And he was like, we just, <laughs> we just packed, unloaded the car, got her pack and place set up like one night. And that very morning, I was like, something's not right. I don't feel well. And he thought I might've been, you know, overthinking it because I was so ingrained in the news and all that's going on. Um, I'm not typically that big of a warrior like that though. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, one of my kind of, I guess, pieces of advice is you trust your own body. And at the, I said, Hey, look, it could be nothing. And I wasted a whole trip back to, to Dallas from Arkansas and I'm sorry, or, I could be sick and I could get everyone in our, your family, that's his family we're going to visit, our two nephews, brother and sister-in-law, his parents who we're going to see the next day, um, his mom works with elderly people, like everything about it, worst case scenario is not worth the risk to me, so we got to get home just, just in case, um, and good thing I did, right, um, so we get back, I isolate that first day we're back, just to be careful. Um, of course, don't want to get him sick. Don't want to get Ava sick. Um, what's interesting is I didn't have a big cough yet, which was at the time what everyone, I, we think it was, it's, it's a fever and a cough, fever and a cough. Um, but I did feel a lot of the other things, the chills, um, the fever-like feeling, the achy, um, and it was so hard to describe at the time. I just didn't feel well. I knew I was sick and it felt different than being sick before having a toddler, she's given us all the colds, the flu, the virus, she's a daycare, right? So we, we've had rounds of things. Um, this just felt different. Um, and so the next day following that, um, my lungs, it was such a distinct burning. I mean, I felt my whole lung, like both of them in my back, in my body. Um, I describe it as like, you don't really feel your lungs. It's kind of like your other organs and things. You, you know, they're there, but you don't really ever are very aware and feel them. Right. Um, and someone described it so well um, of having the burning of Vicks vapor rub completely all inside your lungs. And I was like, that is probably the best description I I've heard because it's so hard to explain. And I've talked to other people that have had it and they're, you know, they're like, how do you explain? It's just so distinct. And I was like, that was a good way of describing where I'm like, okay, this okay. isn't normal. Cassie, hold on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is, so that is such, that is like really over the top. So A, you said this, you said, like all of your organs, they are just there. But for you to actually feel them, not only feel them, but it feels like vapor rub on your lungs. That burning sensation is overwhelming. On the inside, I could barely use vapor rub on my chest on the outside when I am not feeling well. So to have that kind of burning inside of your body 
that was really overwhelming. So what were your, what was going through your mind? Like, okay, this is crazy. What is going on in my body? Yeah, that, um, it was, I'm like, this is it. This, this is what they've been talking about. I have no clue how I got it. I was being all safe. I was doing all the things I, I have. I have no clue how, and I didn't have time to really worry about it. I was like, this is it. I have it. Like we're for sure staying away from each other. We're for sure isolating again. My husband being like, are you sure? What, how do we know? Right. So, um, and I didn't know I was just sleeping cause I was completely exhausted. I didn't feel good. Um, just like if you have the flu or something, you can just knock out. Right. Um, but the breathing and that burning, um, because I had heard a couple of stories, news stories and articles of, um, people who have had like pneumonia, um, that have caused some really severe damage in their lungs. That's when it hit me of like, I don't need to ride this thing out. Um, otherwise I'm young and healthy. Otherwise I felt like I could power through. Um, I birthed a baby, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty strong with medical stuff. I, I have been known to wait a little too long, um, with medical stuff and just riding out pain or whatever. Um, but with this one, I was like, this is different. We don't know a lot about it. It scares me to think I might be sitting here, you know, ignorantly just like, okay, I'm going to push through. And then my lungs are full of, you know, something or have pneumonia. So, um, on, it was about day five where I was like, I'm going to go to the ER. I'm going to see, just make sure, get a scan, make sure I don't have pneumonia. And I'm not sitting here like so close to being severe. Um, and really that was it. Otherwise I felt like I could have just powered through and kept sleeping it off. I mean, it's horrible. I was, I was sick, but, um, if it weren't for that, I guess knowledge of knowing that the pneumonia and the permanent lung damage was an option. Um, that was what got me wanting to like have someone professional look at it. Um, so I went to the ER right and down the street by us and, um, they kind of, they already had their COVID protocol, the door and everything. Um, before even really getting into conversation, he, you know, he gave me a clinical di diagnosis of having COVID. It was kind of clear to him based on some of the things, um, but he agreed and wanted to get a scan of my lungs. Okay. They checked out fine. Um, I did not have pneumonia. And I was like, that is great news, but also shocking that they can feel like this and it not be something. So there's just like this invisible, at least on the screen, this invisible virus that my body's fighting, but my lungs weren't they were restri restricted. I didn't have as much oxygen. I had labored breathing, um, but certainly not severe and not to where they needed to treat pneumonia. So to me, that was good news. Um, bad news is, but I kind of already knew it, right? I could feel, feel just the difference is that he, um, he did diagnose me with COVID. Um, at the interesting thing at that time though, is it was mid um, March. And so we, our area did not have tests yet. A lot of tests, Mm -hmm. Um, so he did not want to give me a test, um, because in his mind, the treatment was the same, um, unless it got worse, go home, rest, isolate. Um, and if he had somebody way more severe, um, they had so few tests, even in our Metroplex, um, they were trying to, um, ideally save them in case they needed to have somebody more severe get on treatment. So let, let's, so let, you know, I have to get in here right here. Yeah. So yep. What did it feel like? being a patient you're going into the doctor and mm -hmm. you are having these symptoms your lungs seem to be on fire and the doctor is saying you do have covid but we will not test you just go home isolate and do what you've been doing that almost sounds like a death sentence to me like how did that feel to say that, yeah, your case is not good enough, so we're going to save these for someone else? How can, so, you, how can you really know? How can you be so sure? That's, yeah. Right. So I think a couple of things. Um, one is because with Ava, she has gone through these viruses and things. Um, I have been told that before with her. Uh, of, hey, it's the flu, um, we're a couple days past it, you can either give her this or ride it out, or we're not sure what kind of virus this is, she's just sit, go home. And I'm like, no, she's 101 or two fever, I can't, and I'm a new mom, so like, 
I had, I guess, already been through the shock of like, that's, that's it. I'm just going to go home with my sick baby. And you're gonna fix her, fix her. So I get maybe that prepped me for it. But also at the time, um, this might just be personality, but I was like, oh yes, like, no, save them for someone else. Like I, I did feel like I could, I was relieved that at least from a scan, my lungs seem to be fine. And if you're telling me, unless it gets worse, I'm going to be all right, then I'll go, I'll go fight this day. I'm going to take all my supplements of, you know, vitamin C. I'm going to have my essential oils diffusing. Like I'll, I'll do what I need to do. I'll hydrate rest. I'll do all the things. Um, and especially because it was so early on, like if that meant say an older person or somebody who had an underlying condition, it would like open up access to a certain kind of treatment. Cause it's like, yes, confirmed this person has COVID. We're going to go this route. Um, and he did say, because I was otherwise young and healthy, that was the only real reason. Um, I, I don't know. I was okay with it. I just was. And I understand completely that there would be so many people who'd be like, no. And, and he would have, um, if I had pushed, I think he would have tested me or I could have found one somewhere in the area, um, waited in the lines and whatever. Um, but it was like before even that got, before there were even places where he could go drive by and wait in lines. This was early on. So, um, Right. And with the test have been accurate, I don't know, all the things where he said, it's not going to change the treatment. So I would like to not. Um, and so I was fine with that. In hindsight, I, I probably should have, cause we ended up having fine tests and I'll talk about that in a minute with being able to donate plasma, stuff like that. It became an issue. But at that time I was like, thank goodness I'm clear. I just need to get home and get back in bed. <laughs> like I was, I'd already been there like 45. I know it sounds wild cause I'm well now, but I had already been through that process and I felt like absolute crap so I'm like I just need to get home and get back in bed then if this is what it is so that that is so interesting so when I'm listening to you I'm just thinking about since our initial interview so many different things have happened and I had talked to you about a number of different things that my other friends had experienced and I told you about the one who she only quarantined, but she still cannot, this is like, I don't know, maybe month seven, month six and a half or something like that. She still cannot taste nor smell. And there are some other issues that she's having. And she is still like questioning, okay, so what are the long-term effects of encountering this thing, right? Then there is the girlfriend who had the double pneumonia. And then there's the other girlfriend who she, she, she had pneumonia, but I believe that it was only in one of her lungs, but she mm -hmm. was still hospitalized. Then there is my girlfriend whose father just passed away from it. So there are so many dynamics to all of this, right? And everyone's symptoms don't look the same. Everyone don't end up with a, a, a tube down their throat. Everyone just don't have the same anything. None of the symptoms have to be the same. Everyone doesn't have a cough. Everyone doesn't have a flu. And then you have to deal with the asymptomatics, like, how do you identify that? Yeah. Or so, and then I learned later, asymptomatic is like, you've got nothing, 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 like no symptoms at all. So after all this is said and done, my husband was like, you know, almost every day in that first week, I took a nap when Ava took a nap, Like he was run down and exhausted. And we're like, I wonder if he had it. And that's really all it caused for him was just being more run down and I was like so really I got it from you is what you're saying my husband gave it to me so I like to I like to land on that story because people are like I don't have good answers of like help and assuring people of everyone wants to know well how did you get it and I would love to know that too I have no idea so I like to just go ahead and blame my husband right so um but really though if he did I mean we drove back in the car together I'm sure the day prior to that we had kissed he is my husband right what? Those things of like, how, how did they not get it? Well, maybe they did. Um, but they certainly, thank God did not have any horrible symptoms. Ava didn't have any. Um, and if he did end up with it, we don't know. Um, 
his might have looked like he was just a little run down and tired. Whereas I'm over there, I almost 13 days of, you know, and I, I still do have lung issues. Um, the air quality days, I know it before the news says it. Like it's so bizarre. And it's not like I know I've heard, you know, runners that they, they cannot run. And this is months after having it because their um, breath capacity is just so damaged. Luckily, mine's not that bad. Um, but if I have allergies, if it's a bad ozone day, like I know it, I can feel it. Um, I'm a little more labored, uh, but I, I mean, I'll take that. It's so less, um, of severe lingering symptoms than, than other people, but it's, it is interesting. I'm like, I wonder how long is this going to go? You know, it's already several months after. Um, and if I have to live with it forever, it's not horrible. So I, again, I'm thankful that it is, um, the case that it is, but still it is something that is lingering. I can tell my lungs have been through trauma. That, that's the best way I can describe it. When I'm like, well, my husband's like, well, what does it feel like when those ozone days? I'm like, it's hard to explain. It doesn't feel like vapor rub. So I'm always thankful when I'm like, no, it doesn't feel like they're sick. It feels like they went through something. They're having a hard time. Um, we were on a campfire um, when we did eventually get to go to Arkansas that smoke that like, yeah. not that I look super close to that anyway, but it's just different. They're, they are, my lungs have been through a thing and you can tell. So. I, so this is one of the things that I would like to say. So although you, you had, if, if we could grade it, right. And, and we just said, okay, well, you had a medium case, right. Because it wasn't very light when your lungs are on fire. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, what are we talking yeah. about here? Yeah. So weird. <laughs> so, so weird. So, but you, you still maintain an optimism that is just unprecedented. So I am so grateful for your positive attitude about your experience. And I am just as grateful for your willingness to share with other people, to give people some insight into what that experience was like. So when you were just talking, you mentioned your husband. And do you mind if I mentioned, say his name? Oh, sure. Yeah. No. Okay. So when you mentioned Brian, and I'm sure that we would have had a kiss or whatever, because he is my husband. How did, how did, that experience, how did that affect your family life? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I want to say that was the hardest part. I know I just described having like fire rub in my lungs. Um, <laughs> but I'd say I had the easy part for the first, um, I don't know, several days that I was just sleeping. Like I was just knocked out. Um, for him, all things came to a halt. He was taking care of Ava. He was keeping me fed and bringing water to the door. Um, I would, you know, when I was up and awake would lie all things down. He, like we were treating it like it was the play, right? Um, there's still so much unknown and it still is that way. Um, but he had to completely, it's not like you can say, oh, well, it's day seven. I'm tired as, hey neighbor, can someone come watch Abe for a bit? No, we had, we had the big bad COVID. Like no one's coming around our house. No one's doing anything for us to help. Um, and I say that and like, we aren't asking that. And also that's just not how it is. It's not like, Hey, um, mom's gone on a trip for a bit. Let's help, um, with play dates and things with Ava. So Brian can have a break. Like it was, he was full on nonstop. Um, you know, while we had both just started working from home, he always does, but, um, navigating that with Ava being home full time, it's not like to send her off to daycare. Right. So that was, um, he stepped up to the plate though. Like he, he was making meals. He would make smoothies. And it's like, he took that as his, okay, we're doing this. We're going to be fine as well. Not that I talked to him in that time to know that, but in hindsight, um, but Ava, so, so my baby, right? Like she's two, she's, um, at that time, which is a little over two and a half now, but she um, gets it enough when we say someone's sick. Like Brian told her I was sick. Um, okay, but she, but mommy's in that room. Like she knew enough to know that I was on the other side of the door in the room. Um, 
but not enough to really get why I wouldn't come out. Um, so for again, first at least few four-ish, um, by fifth day I went to the ER. I was like sleeping a lot. So I think again, I got the easy part of that and saying that I was just sleeping a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a horrible, achy headache behind my eye version of sleep, but um, I wasn't aware of, you know, the struggles going on with Ava and, and Brian hustling, making sure that everything was keeping afloat um, until I slowly but surely started coming out of like, okay, spending a, a couple more hours a day in between naps awake. Um, and then, you know, it's just like a slow, it came on kind of, kind of slow. If I backtrack really when I felt like I had allergies, it goes away so slow. Like, um, the day I'm like, oh, I'm symptom free. I can start my countdown to end isolation. Then the next day I was like, oh no, this is even better. Yesterday wasn't symptom free. Now it is because you just, the relief from any kind of pain felt felt so much better, but it wasn't even like I was really out of the pain. It was just better than the day before. So when I started really, um, when it passed that week mark and Ava was like, I, I mean, she was over it, right? She was knocking on my door, I had videos on social media, like on my story of her being like, mommy, it's Ava, open the door, open the door, her sweet little baby voice. And then I would talk back to her being like, oh baby, I love you, I can't. And then she would lose it. I'm like, oh, I guess that's not the route. I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> then she's like bawling on the other side and then I'm bawling on the other side of the door, right? So then I was like, okay, well, tomorrow I won't say anything. Or when she comes back, right? So Brian would try to shuffle her upstairs where she wasn't, you know, at the bedroom door. Um, they got creative and he would come around. And I do have pictures of this on social media. He would have um, a little play water table or things out and um, side in the backyard where I could open the blinds and the windows and I could watch her play. And she could kind of see me closer than we have been, but still with the windows shut. Um, so we had to try to get creative with seeing mommy time because that was um, certainly the longest we would have ever been um, not being together. Um, so that was that was hard on her. Um, and it got where we were over it at a point where, and I read about it, so I was like, is this going to damage her? Like, is she going to think that I'm you know, why, why isn't mommy wanting me? And I did, I read an article that I don't think in hindsight was helpful uh, for my, I guess, emotional strength at the time, but it, it explained what was happening, um, where they can feel stop, sort of like a, um, not abandonment, so there, but a rejection. Mm-hmm. So if you think of animals in the wild, right, like your bear cub, your baby cub, your whatever is like with you, with you, with you. Well, if I'm rejecting you now, like, you know, I'm here, I'm choosing that it can be confusing. And she started to show signs of like, not wanting to FaceTime. Um, she would, or when I did, she would like act mad, like kind of like look away and like pout. And I'm like, she'd be mad at me. Why? And that's when I started like researching it because she felt like, Oh, this is what we do now. This is our relationship. Like you're rejecting me. So I'm rejecting you almost. Right. Like, what's happening in she nature. Right. She was so, doing the behavior that she thought I was doing, right? Right. <laughs> Which I wasn't. I'm over there crying and missing her, but she didn't know any difference. So luckily, that was at the very end, um, where it didn't get. And I was like, oh, we might have to work back into our bond. Like all these things that I'm thinking and worrying about did not happen at all. Like it was such a rejoicing joyful moment of like getting to snuggle her again I was still careful I wore a mask um for a while after when I was super close just because I was worried um certainly wouldn't want to give I was like hey I felt what it felt like I don't want her to ever have to go through that I don't know that she would survive it and I also don't want her to have to go through that that's horrible even if she does make it out I don't want her to have to um so I was careful with the mask and stuff but it was it I'm here to say it was fine. Like it was, it was a beautiful reunion. We picked right back up. I missed her so much. So I just cherished her even that much more. Um, but during that time I did have that worry of, is this damaging our, our bond and our relationship beyond repair? Not that I could have done anything about it, which made it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't choose like, let me change route and 
you know, oh, I'm working too much. Let me shuffle my hours so that our relationship, it was something that was out of my hands. Um, so that was tough. That was, that was a really, um, that was pushing my patience on the whole, (laughs) this being a long sickness thing. So I could only imagine so you had earlier, earlier you mentioned that both you and Brian were working from home at the time. So what I know about the situation is that over time, even in your lead position, you were concerned at a period when COVID first hit because you saw the layoffs, you saw the different things that were happening, and then you were the one who was managing how to still maneuver through this process and then what happened yeah so so from the business perspective of course um my organization was wildly supportive of when i was sick um i was one of the first that my close group had known and of course that i had known to actually get it um and we had been preparing from the hr side of things and the business side of things of like the potential of we will have people having cases. So um, that was that was more of the support and we're gonna figure this out stage. Um, but yeah, because of my exposure, I had seen what our business was uh, trying to do to combat the impact it was having um, on our business and on our revenue. So, you know, like many organizations out there, there's different um, things you can do before you start going straight to layoffs, uh, freeze merit increases, not match 401k, um, cut expenses here, not travel, all those things. Right. And I, we, we were doing that. Um, and I thought it would, I had such great respect for, um, our company because every little thing that could have been done prior to layoffs was what we wanted to focus on and they wanted to focus on first. Um, but I mean, we're talking months and months in of businesses being hit, things being closed down. Um, so on the HR side of things, um, I am exposed to those conversations of layoffs and what cuts, how much, where, um, and that it was like, it was global. It was going to be the whole organization. So, um, I was in a unique position in my, in my company where we had just been acquired. So I just started getting the, it's not like a normal, I think employees fearing layoffs um, because I do have more exposure. I think my, I don't know, um, I don't know the word that I'm trying to think of right now, but I guess my expectation of, of the reality of it possibly being my position was more educated than most that aren't behind the scenes. Just because I'm like, I see it, I'm new into the group, kinda like, and it wasn't that just unknown fear. It was, I need to be realistic and, and be in preparation with my heart, mind, and soul of where this could go um, and just not live in fear. But to be honest, that was the last thing I think normally I love, I love that organization so much. So it, it absolutely was a heartbreaking thing um, to even see the organization going through that. But I had just gone through COVID. I was more worried about my baby staying well, my husband staying well, my whole, everyone staying well. Um, but it did get to a point where I was informed that as part of the position eliminations, my role was one of them. Um, so I, I knew my role um, was one that was going away um, while also informing um, other people that theirs were as well. So um, it was kind of a hit after a hit after a hit, um, just as far as our family trying to you know, shuffle, right? <laughs> work from home, figure it out. We got a toddler home now. How on earth do you work from home with a toddler? Let's, it was just like blam, bam, over and over and over. So um, I will say though, for the purposes of what all this time has taught a lot of people, I think everyone is saying, yes, it's horrible. What I've learned in this time is, right? People are getting more family time and prioritizing, you know, really what's important in life, things like that. The 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 break I have had of the slowdown to figure out um, post the first half of this year um, is a godsend because it was just coming at us so fast, everything. Um, so it kind of has forced a slow down, be appreciative of, 
comma and comma and right um and maybe that's just how i live and i try to see the light um but also it really had i mean i don't know how we would have kept surviving with the hustle and the grind of, of both of us and brian's business picked up in a crazy busy way um the school that ava was at stayed closed and then and when it did open was for essential workers neither one of us are really an essential worker so um I don't know what we would have done otherwise, to be honest, except keeping on struggling and grinding and maybe shuffling too much. So I've chosen to look at it that way anyway, but it's been um, a really blessed time to get things sorted, slow down, figure it out, spend time together, a lot more time than we normally would, especially in this season being summer, Brian travels. So uh, family time is on point right now. <laughs> I love it. Making up for that lost time with Ava, for sure. Um, but, you know, I will be getting back into the job market now that we've got some things shuffled and figured out. But, um, you know, if, if there's any words of encouragement, like even if a job is lost, like it will be okay. Uh, finances might get tough, but are we healthy? Are we well? Are we, right? All the other things that really start to, to overshadow what otherwise sounds like horrible things. I know outside listening in might be like, oh, that's awful. Our spirits are so good. Like we've got each other and um, we're getting more time than ever. And there's some very good silver linings and positive things coming out of this. And that's what, again, that's what I can appreciate is that there is so much positivity. You are looking at the the good that came out of it because at the onset of all of this things were rolling and moving it's 2020 it's the year of clarity and 2020 vision i mean and everybody is talking about how amazing this year is gonna be it's still amazing it's just <laughs> different because so here's the thing we're a, a lot of us are still here you know a lot of us are still here and sometimes it's not about what you've lost is but what you've what you've retained what's still there what's still present what god is still doing what is still available to you right and not right. so much always on okay, I've lost the job. I don't have this. The finances are tight. The finances are tight, but you're still able to eat. You still have a roof over your head. There is, you know, there is provision being made in the day-to-day, -day, you know, and although I'm not minimizing or trying to make it seem like everyone is having the same experience because I recognize that that is not the case, but I just do want to point out that sometimes it is better for us to be grateful at, for what we still have rather than what we have lost and that we are still maintaining life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just oh, really, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. With that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the reality, like when, when I was just thinking about myself, one of the things that I have really, really struggled with is the setup of the hospital situations. Like, if you have to go to the hospital, you're the only one that can come in, unless things get really chaotic, uh, volatile, or whatever. So, you are alone with people that you are unfamiliar with, people that you are not clear whether they will make the best decision for you. And then there's no one really there to advocate for you depending on your level of illness, right? Right. You're watching all of this stuff going on around you. You're listening to what the media is saying and it is just hard. So um, there are people that are dying alone. Those are not things that have happened in the past. When you were dying, your loved ones held your hands until you breathed your last breath. That was an option. 
that is not an option in the same fashion as it was pre-COVID. Right. So while you, you did the necessary steps, you went to the ER, you, uh, you, you did all of the steps. What were your thoughts like as you are feeling your body taking on a, a experience all of its own, independent, <laughs> it is doing its own thing? This yeah. is not something that you can control. You are doing everything that you can to minimize and to not affect anyone else. But did you ever consider the what ifs? What if I don't make it through this? What if this doesn't get better? Did you ever, did your mind ever go to that place? Because I would think that that was a human experience, but you, you have, I, I feel like you have a gift of faith um, because I have faith, but I am still a very realistic kind of person. So I would be like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Well, how do I position myself for this? And let me make sure that all my paperwork is together. So I would just kind of be all over the place. So, so what, what was that experience like? What was that alone time like? Because one of the things that you and I talked about in the 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 pre-interview was that you didn't really pull your community as close as you could have and i was like i would have wanted to be a part of that you know but i believe that just the way that you're built you were like well we really don't i i don't want to bring anybody really close because i don't want to cause any issue with anyone else so while you you appreciate that consideration on the flip side it's like but I love you and I would have wanted to do what I could have to encourage you through this process. Because I just think that whatever you go through, community is very, very important and adds value to your experiences. So yeah. I said a lot, but no, yeah, I've got a couple of yeah, no, I've got a couple of thoughts and answers. One of them um may sound a little different from my what I was just describing as like the positive optimism is the reality of um, one of the reasons I wanted to get back from Arkansas that night or that morning after that really bad, not feeling well night is fear did set in that night of what if we're stuck here and their hospitals aren't ready. I don't know as much about their hospitals. I've really been paying attention to our local news and all that. Um, what if they were not like, and what if I'm here for a long time and they run out of stuff, then I'm stuck here and Brian, what is he going to do? Just like live here with Ava or is he supposed to go back? And we hadn't, again, it was so early on really gone through the whole, Oh my gosh, like people are actually like dying without their families. Get, they just get a phone call and they hadn't seen them in a couple of weeks and then they're just gone. Right. That we hadn't had a lot of experience of that yet, but, but I knew they wouldn't be able to be in there. And I, I knew, um, hospitals are running out of maybe not like beds, but staff to like, what's the matter if there's a bed open, if there's not staff for it, let's call it capacity, right? Like if they're out of capacity to treat me, that's not good. So that was one of my fears that set in of like, let's get home, at least get home. Yeah. Okay. We're home. Um, that very much was a, I think it was a fear because it was also an unknown. It was again, still early on. I don't know that the fear would be any better now because we do know that that's what happens. I have heard stories of people that they didn't see their family member a couple weeks because they weren't allowed to, and then they passed. Yeah. And so like the last time they had seen them was weeks ago and they still can't go and see them, right? Like it's just going to be a phone call or whatever. So that part was a very real, just as far as the hospitalization mm -hmm. of being in there um, alone. That was, I'll leave it to you for the words of encouragement on that. That was a very scary because it was so, it is so new. Um, it was very scary at the time too, that like no one knew anything. Right. I'm like, I'm going to go literally to get my lungs checked for pneumonia because that's the one thing they do know. Right. But that feeling of like, otherwise you have no idea and I didn't mention this, the doctor did bring up um, a couple of medications that were 
you know, being talked about at the time, in his opinion, it was a really, you know, nasty drug with nasty side effects for people that unless you really needed it, he did not, he did not support it. Um, so I was like, no, we're not, not there yet. Like, I don't, if it's got alternatives, like, no, I'm good. Um, but that, that fear is probably the one that, um, I really didn't have an answer for, but where then flip side talking about the fear of not making it, I never had that fear. I never, ever had that fear. And I think, right. I do know some research, of course, there's the faith, like gotta have blind faith. I can right? we could preach a sermon on that alone, but for those who maybe aren't like, can't rest as well in that my, my, I guess, realistic reality of what are my other options? Just like sulk in this fear or which I have, um, I guess, because I have in the past, I've read research and, and science supporting um, the optimism and the belief and the faith of getting better, proving scientifically um, to have more positive outcomes. Like I have no other option. I'm getting through this. It's going to be like, and if I vanish and die tomorrow, well, at least I went out like on that like positive note. Cause I don't like the idea of like, if I'm going to go one way or the other, sulking my way out, like right. also fight fighter. I'm going to, I'm going to rest. I'm going to take all these supplements that are healthy, natural, that might help me. Um, I'm going to do all those things. I'm going to clean everything. My family's not going to get this. Um, that, that option of not making it was not even, um, I mean, it came up, like, that's what happens. You never know what's gonna happen with this thing, but like, not me, not my family. I'm not going to accept that, but that doesn't mean I couldn't be hospitalized or those other realistic things that did become true, um, concerns of mine. And when I hear, you know, the concern of hospitals and capacity, that is a conversation that I'm like, no, that that's real. Like, right. Maybe we have more beds, but do we have the staff and are they well, and do we have the ventilators? I don't want to have to be sharing ventilators and picking them, right? Like, let's just not get there. So I do have the reality of and opinions on that part of it, of, um, you know, for the severe cases, right. We've got to have the care for it. Um, valid concern coming up with the flu season and everything else, just them going on at the same time. We don't want to have to pick and choose. Right. Right. Um, so with people getting, I think, over it, um, you know, I understand that, but I, because I'm going to say it had the benefit of going through it early, we, we're not cracking down on this thing. Like we are going to stay the course of, I don't want anyone else in my family to get it. I don't want to have it again. So, um, we're going to be as cautious as ever. And, and we, I guess, have the excuse of saying, oh, sorry, like we're going to be those people, but it, we know, we know too much. Like we've, we've gone through it. We're not doing it again. Exactly. <laughs> Wearing my mask everywhere. <laughs> doing, uh, yeah. And all the things, I'm going to still do my grocery pickup. I'm going to still wash them all. Like it's still here, everyone. So uh, again, not to live in fear, but for those who have written it off completely and are just, you know, over the life change, um, let's just make some temporary adjustments. It doesn't have to be a horrible life. It just is going to be an adjusted one for a bit. And then hopefully in some time, we will get back to somewhat more normal things. So some level of norm, right? So yeah. yeah. So I like that. Um, so what? What if 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 there for the listener mm -hmm. who is questioning? Okay, well, what can I do to really make? this the best situation ever a if I or someone that I love should get sick what should I do what would you say to that person well I'd say first take it seriously and try to prevent it right like know that it's a thing and God, if you could avoid it please 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 try with all your heart and mind to avoid it um but if you do, I mean, I can only give what I, I did and what worked for me was I have two ways. If, if at the end of this, I'm going to be fine, or even if not, I have two experiences I could have. I could be super positive, know I'm going to beat this thing, try to do all the things. When I did start feeling uh, better, I did start reaching out, having calls and prayer calls, um, 
with my faith community um, having uh, those conversations or same journey, same endpoint. I can have a miserable, fearful, consumed time and I'm not coming out of this refreshed and ready to see my family. I'm coming out of this in turmoil and whatever. Um, so I guess it's my advice is like that journey is gonna, you're going through it one way or the other. You do get to decide, um, not maybe some of the things that happened to you, but how you go through them. Um, and looking back, it was just something that happened that I got through. It wasn't what I know it could have been had I stayed in that fear from night one. If I had gone through all those days, like I did night one, like, I don't think my health, mental, emotional, and physical would have been able to fight it because right. I was so consumed that first night in fear. So you can choose to just, why not? Why not choose to try to be optimistic and know that you're going to get through it. It will end. It will end. Um, and it will be better. Okay. So, so what about this? So to the person who may have what they are deemed as real symptoms, what would you say to that person? Like, what were the, if you could just lay out of maybe five steps that you took, I mean, because I just want to sum it up. I don't, I want them to just kind of have an idea of if I started having symptoms, what is the first thing that I should do? I know that yours was isolate. So yeah, first listen to your body. If it feels a little funny, only because right now I would not say take everything so serious normally. Um, I'm, that's not normally how I am with medical stuff, but just because we happen to be in a pandemic that's killing hundreds of thousands of people, just for now, if you're feeling something a little different, listen to your body. Um, me doing that early on, I do believe helped spare potential spread or fam because I took that, okay, in hindsight, of course, I wish I didn't go to Arkansas at all. I wouldn't have known. It felt like hardly anything, allergies, whatever. But if you are feeling under the web, now's the time. If you're not normally to take that stuff seriously, again, not to be a hypochondriac later on, but we're in a, a pandemic right now. So take that seriously. And yeah, night one, I isolated. Brian came back in the next morning to check on me with Ava. Um, they got in the bed and the second morning, I was like, I don't think she should be in here right now. I could just tell like, and he's like, oh, like, oh, we're still doing this thing. He thought maybe I rested it off. And so he got her out of there. You mean? <laughs> yeah. No, he really was taken back by that. And I was like, she doesn't, because, and I didn't know yet. That was still like first real day sick. But just in case, and I'm so glad, right? Listen to it. Take it as serious. That's what they're saying on the news to do right now. So I was like, no, no, isolate means like I need to be, let's just see if this, this is it or not. Um, and then, yeah. Be educated, right? Like not to scare yourself and all that, but just to know like, okay, until it gets this bad, I don't need to go to the ER, right? Because we don't want to clog up hospitals, whatever. So many doctors are doing virtual calls right now. They're taking Zoom meetings. They're talking over the phone where if they can advise and guide to give you some sort of assurance of like, I don't need to go to the hospital yet, or I do, um, know that that's an option um, before having to get in the car, do all that. Um, potentially exposing more or if they're just going to say rest get that rest you need right so is there anything else like in terms of protection so you mm -hmm. did isolate you separated yourself from your family but one of the things like even coming out you were just saying how you still wore a mask even in the yeah. house because you didn't feel like you were all the way out of the woods and you were still having some uh, negative feedback with your lungs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that you knew that that wasn't quite what, right. it, it wasn't back to normal, right? right? So you decided to continue to protect yourself. And so um, at what point did you, did you call the doctors? Did you do a Zoom call or a teleconference with someone, with a, a doctor to give you to help you to understand that it was now safe for you to come out of isolation. How did that work? Yeah. So when I went to the, the kind of COVID 
treatment, which there isn't one, was this packet of information, right? If this happens, this is when you come back. Um, do these things, rest, hydrate, right? All the things. Um, but the protocol on it was after I'm symptom-free, 72 hours after that, I stay in isolation for 72 hours after being symptom-free. Then I can then reintroduce and be around people again, uh, which again was so tricky because I'm like, oh, I'm symptom-free today. And then the next day it comes like, oh, I don't think I should count yesterday. <laughs> I just felt better. I just felt so much better. And then, but it just, that kept going. So that's why I was like, and then if I really were going to say crystal clear symptom-free, I still have stuff in my lungs, right? So, or that feeling of, is today a bad ozone day or not? So um, that's where that unknown was just, I'm going to be safer than sorry. The yeah. first time I did get allergies again, that I was like, oh no, I'm get I thought I was getting it again. I'm like, no, how do I, it was just, and it was different. It wasn't the whole burning lung thing. It is, and it still is like, wait, wait, um, it is a different feeling, but that first time it came back, I was like, no. And so I was like, isolate, let's not be around each other, but you know, just being mindful, right? Um, I'm very, very, try not to have exposure. We're super um, kind of strict around who and what friends still, uh, and we all need to be at still here. Um, but if I, when I was feeling that in my chest and stuff, I wasn't too close to Brian or Ava. I wasn't, you know, kissing on her and stuff. So um, it's not ideal. I don't want to live that way forever. But if it means, you know, just while I'm feeling like this, um, to not do that, to potentially save their lives, I'll spare my kisses for when I don't have <laughs> my lungs feeling funny. So um, yeah, it's just being, I know we got to treat it so seriously right now, but um, without the fear, right? I, I do both. I'm not living that fear and positive, but I'm super serious about how to try to prevent spread and hopefully not get it again or anybody else around me um, if I were to be a carrier. Yeah, I, I, I think that in this season, we need to be hyper vigilant about how we're approaching this thing for people to be as lax as they have become. Right. It is right it is a little bit concerning, you know, if not a whole bunch. I mean, because yeah. when you start seeing your state numbers just continue to rise because we're, we're forcing the opening of the country again. And it's just, I mean, our children going to school again, that is very concerning for me. I'm just like, oh my God, this thing is going... I don't know what it's going to be, but God, please keep your hands on it. Because yeah. I mean, when you start thinking about children, children already come, it's a cesspool for germs when you start putting, you know, yeah. together. But now we have to factor in the flu. We have to factor in uh, COVID. We have all of these different things to be concerned about. And science still does not have enough information to really give us a solid foundation about where do we go from here. So it's interesting to me because there are talks around a vaccine. How do you vaccinate something that you don't even really understand how this thing is affecting the people. So that right. I, that's very interesting to me. So, you know, the, the beta testing and all of this stuff, I'm like, who are they going to be? Who are these people going to be? <laughs> right. Really? <laughs> because it wouldn't not me. I'll sit back. I'm sorry. I said, not me. I'll sit back. But you know, my dad gave me really good, good advice. I don't know. He says he doesn't give advice. He gives opinions, but it was a good point of, we can't let other decision makers of any kind um, make choices for us, right? So like, you, you can open your restaurants, you won't find me in one. You know, I'm not gonna sit there. Like I, again, I have, again, I'm gonna call it the benefit of the knowledge of what I've already been through. I'm not doing that again. So open up, fine, but like I still have to be responsible for myself, my family, our health and my decisions. So we all need to, just because they haven't figured out how they're gonna mandate masks and whatever, we can be smart individuals on our own. We can have our own intuition and listen to it. And we can we can manage our own selves, our own grown selves. And so um, again, to each their own with how comfortable they are, but 
just because it's open, let's use our own, right, common sense, knowledge, education, and not just rely, oh, well, then it must be safe. It's open, so it's safe. Let's just not use that right now because we it's unknown. Um, and so that's kind of how I've been operating too. You can open what you want. You will not find me in a gym. You want like to those who are going whatever. But like outside workouts, our neighborhood started doing boot camp. We're all spread out and we're outdoor. Right? Can we just make little adjustments right now? No matter what anybody says, um, eat outdoors at those restaurants. Right? Like just some adjustments. Again, not forever. Um, but the longer we drag this out, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, Cassie. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your experience, you know, from start to finish, just sharing your knowledge of what to do now and what to do next and uh being transparent about your your personal how this thing really affected your life as a whole it affected you in a number of different ways and so i just want to say thank you because you gave some light to the reality of this thing and its different effects on everyone so we are not in this pandemic alone this a pandemic has touched everyone when i i when i'm thinking about this i want to ask you this one last question in terms of information because what i know is that there are some media outlets and i do want to speak in particular to social media and the things that people are saying and even sometime the um, way that the news media is sensationalizing this thing and sometimes people want to make it just this uh, uh, blanket statements and you just cannot under these circumstances. Um, governmental officials are making different decisions for each state according to what is happening in those particular states. So there are different mandates everywhere. And so no two households are the same. Everyone has not been affected the same. And so what do you say to the person who is just like, um, they're living in fear because of the inundation of all of this information coming from this source and this source. And a lot of this stuff, it's half truth and then there's a little extra drama sprinkled on top of it where would you if you had maybe three resources that you could send people to to validate information that is out there to get as much of factual information as possible what would you say oh man i don't have a good answer for that because my answer is I just watch the local and national news. I've got a couple apps that update me. Um, but I, I say that because they don't know. <laughs> like, they, that's the point is there isn't a source of knowledge. And when, you know, call it whoever says one thing tomorrow or yesterday, today is something different, they may not have been lying yesterday. Yesterday may have been what science told them yesterday and then they found out something new so i think that's that's a difficult reality and it is a reality right now of like there is not a lot there's more known now but it's going to keep changing it's going to keep shifting so the things we do know hang on to that which is um we don't have a vaccine yet it's spreading in our community well there are some things we can do to reduce that let's do those things Period, like period, is if it's not essential um, to do, like there are some things that need to like go to work and different things, right? It's going to have exposure, but but make our own decisions. And I know that's not, I wish I had it. Here's three links I have found to be super accurate. I, I don't have that, there might be some out there. Um, but I think it's because early on every day, I was like, they don't even know. And it's not necessarily their faults. Um, it's just changing so much um because science and research and right it, that happens that i'm gonna have to just step back and realize that is my truth right now is there's a lot they don't know yeah <laughs> like that i know that a lot of people don't want to can't rest in that and we shouldn't stay there it shouldn't be like well we don't know 
that's that's the end of the story. No, like they're hopefully they're gonna keep getting closer to finding out. But until then, I gotta think about me and my family and what we're gonna do that looks pretty different. Um, we're doing a nanny share with a friend. So fortunate that we've been able to coordinate that, find some someone that we could afford, all of that, um, because we're not putting any of it back in school. Our choice, um, we're just not. Um, that's fine, they're open. That doesn't mean they're safe. I'm not saying they're not safe. I don't know, I don't know. So I'm just gonna do what I feel most comfortable with. Um, and especially having gone through it, it's gonna be on the air of super caution right now. I'm not saying she's never going to school again. That's not what I said. But, this season, I already, I don't want to do flu season again with a toddler. So like for me, I'm going to just try to do none of it this year if I can. <laughs> like, let's just stay well. That's good. So, yeah, I, I wish I had a quick link or something, but um, my truth has been that it keeps changing and I just got to kind of ride that and do what's best for us based on what I do know, um, which is try to prevent spread and cover our breath, right? <laughs> yeah. So basics. Right. So I, um, I have found that, you know, even with the changing information, I, I don't necessarily care for a lot of the things that are popping up on social media because so much of it is opinions. Um, I like to really talk to people who have actually experienced this thing because those experiences make a lot more sense to me than does some of the things that I am seeing. I And, and like I said, what I have seen is a sprinkle. I, I see partly the truth. And then I see some sprinkle of opinions. And this is how I feel. And this is what I think. And right. You know, even around the CDC and the World Health Organization, I think that those are really good places to go and see what is being said. And as much as possible, try to stick to the organizations that are as close to what we might deem as factual today <laughs> as yes. possible, right? To your point. Medical. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, so I am just, again, so grateful for your support of the podcast and your willingness to come and share with my audience. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for pressing through. Thank you for being strong and courageous. Thank you for educating yourself so that you could save your family. What if you didn't know to say, hey, I don't think that it's a good idea for you guys to be in here with me. That could have cost you guys moving forward. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Cassie. It is always a delight to just spend time with you and to converse with you. Um, that is all. Thank you. So I'm so happy. <laughs> happy to anytime. Love chatting with you. Maybe um, sometime it'll be something a little more positive, but I'm happy. I hope, however it, it can, that my story helps somebody. So. I love it. Thank you, sweetie. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.